Here in America, work is in trouble. We've offshored our manufacturing, sent away good jobs, and lost so much ability to make things. American Giant is a company that's pushing back against this tide. They make high-quality clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more right here in the USA. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com. Promo code STAPLE20. Hey there. Welcome to 7th Heaven, a lesbian recap. I'm Lindsay, and I'm joined by my co-host and real-life partner, Carling. We're diving into the 90s hit drama through today's lens. Get ready for our off-the-cuff commentary and peeling back the layers of the Camden family. We'll tackle everything from family rules, life lessons, and 90s fashion. Join us every week for a light-hearted queer perspective and a trip down memory lane. Whether you're a die-hard fan or new to the show, this recap is for you. So find us anywhere you get your podcasts at 7th Heaven, a lesbian recap. And all of a sudden, the tone of that appointment flipped. And she's like, there is something on your cervix. Hey, Carling. <laughs> hey, Michelle. She's back. I'm back. I'm back, back, back in the New York <laughs> mood. mood. <laughs> you survived. I survived. I Your trek. did a trek. I climbed to Mount Assiniboine, and I'm back to live and tell the story. I'm so happy. Yeah, but it was uh, thinking, I was thinking about it. I wasn't gone. Like, it's not like... You didn't see me for a really long time. Let no, go four days but without... I didn't have any communication oh, with yeah. you at all. Yeah. No. Was I alive? Memes, was I no in a gifts, coma? No TikToks. No. Nothing. I know. So I'm glad that you're back and that now we can send each other silly things all again. All the silly things. All the silly things. Yeah, it was really good. I'm so glad I did it. I want to do it again next year, but be more fit mm-hmm. because... Mm-hmm. That was a journey. Well, it's a lot of work. But then yeah. now you know, like, what to do and what not to do for next time. And Yeah. Like, never did I think, if you had asked me five years ago, hey, do you want to carry a 40-pound bag up and over the mountains and poop in some of the most disgusting outhouses oh, you've ever seen? Oh, God. And have flies swarming you? <gasps> no. I know. There was, so this is, I'll say, I don't know if we're going to make this like a Patreon episode. Uh-huh. Where we just like talk about the whole journey. We should. But it was so hot on day two. It was like 28 degrees Celsius. Wow. Which I think is probably like 90 something Fahrenheit. Yeah. Yeah. And you're sweating so much that you can't keep sunscreen or bug spray on you. Like it just, it just melts off you into your eyes, which also feels great. And then you want to stop because you're going uphill and you can't breathe. Yeah. But as soon as you stop, these like black, what do they call them? Horse flies? Yeah, horse flies. They're yeah. really giant black flies that bite. Oh. And they would swarm you. Oh, man. Like, that's bad. Get off. Yeah. Actually, my cousin, when he got married, his wife, they they had their wedding kind of in a golf course. Golf at a golf course, but yeah. there was a beach. Not the golf dome. No, <laughs> but there was a beach. Yeah, and they had massive black horse flies too, and they kept getting stuck under the lining of her dress, and they were just 
biting the crap out of her legs like the no, whole time. No, ma'am. No, thank you. Ugh, that's not good. Yeah, it was like almost like a sense of panic because you just mm-hmm. want to stop and catch your breath. Yeah. You can't stop because they won't leave you alone. Ugh. And bug spray didn't seem to be doing anything. Oh, that gives me the creeps. Yeah, <gasps> it was. But I say all of that and it was still amazing and I'll do yeah. it again. And I've made a few TikToks, so check out our Instagram reels or um or tiktok and then maybe i don't know should we make it a patreon episode yeah why not we can do whatever we'll we want i mean i Start literally signed up for it well there you go we can it, we'll change the theme for one, one i episode. did think i had a lot of time to think because you just you're just walking and hiking <laughs> for hours on end but a lot of those really corny sayings I think we're came from people hiking. Oh, okay. Like what? Like, you know. Hang in there, baby. <laughs> that's one specifically. <laughs> um, no, but like, you know, it's not about the destination. It's, it's the, journey. the journey. And like sometimes, you know, don't look too far ahead. Sometimes you just got to look right at your feet and there's beauty in where you are. I'm sure. I don't know if that's how eloquently Look that's... at your feet and there's beauty. <laughs> Just look at them. <laughs> because you have to look down when you're walking or yeah. you're going to trip and roll your ankle. Yeah. And I was amazed at how beautiful, like, the wildflowers and the plants Aww, and everything were. And then wonderful. you'd stop and look up and you're like, wow, what a breathtaking view. And then you put your head back down and you just keep walking. Wow. Yeah. I am inspired. So I'm going to create some inspiring <laughs> quotes. <laughs> Anywho. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, it was really good. And well, my week was terrible with that. Yeah, you. I know what happened. Nothing. Oh. Really? Well, that's nice. That, <laughs> that the just whole in world general. stopped because you left. Yeah, I thought everybody would just pause. I know, right? Uh, no, it was just busy with work and kids. I mean, yeah. summer is something else. Yeah. It's not great. Don't like it. <sighs> yeah, I don't but, know. Um, nothing is really going on with me I don't think I can't remember yeah that's fair I'm leaving you again in just a few short days and I'm sorry but hashtag sorry not sorry you're not sorry I'm going to Ontario to sit in a lake with Lindsay my girlfriend your girlfriend and I'm super stoked by the time you get back I will be on vacation with my boyfriend (laughs) (laughs) you want want to tell me about him no (laughs) (laughs) doesn't exist um but that's fine i'll be back you're gonna pick us up from the airport i am so yeah so today we're recording like two intros and two outros yeah plus we had an interview it's busy 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 day yeah um i'm so stoked to talk to tisha today Mm -hmm. or today's episode which is with tisha yeah tisha is the other half of the now what podcast yeah and she is also at a cat cottage in ontario i know so Maybe I'll stop and see her. That's one of the really big things I miss about living in Ontario. Is all the cottages. It's the cottage life. Yeah. It's not a lot of camping. Yeah. It's cottaging. Yeah. Cottaging? Cottagizing. <laughs> oh. You've been cottagizing. No. <laughs> I don't like that. Uh, yeah, I should be. I Originally, we had to shift the dates, but originally I was going to go and then do the hike. Oh, yeah. And I'm super thankful that I did the hike. Yeah, so now you can just relax. I'm just going to drink in the lake. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. I'm super jealous. I haven't been back to Ontario in very long, and I I would love to go back. We'll 
bring you with me in spirit. Thank I'll have you. Wi-Fi, so yeah, at least can we can FaceTime. still communicate. Yeah. But anyway, um, do you want to talk a little bit about the exciting shipment that came in while I was I away? I do. Our notebooks came in. Yeah. And they're so cute, if I do say so myself. They're stinking cute. I don't know what it is, but I love a good notebook. I love a notebook. I want to jot it down. I yeah. want to doodle. I want something to just put a note in. Yeah. Like a I, book, you might say. Like a notebook? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I love them, and they're super cute, and we're going to have a Carling Survived giveaway Yeah. of a notebook With and some stickers. Some stickers. And then we're looking into selling them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's super exciting. All right. Well, Tisha, thanks again for being on our podcast. Yes. You're so lovely. And we hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye. Hello, Tisha. Hi. How are you guys? Good. How are you? Good. Uh, we're so excited. You are the other half of the Now What pod. I am. So yes, my co-host has already recorded an episode with you. Um, and so yeah, now it's my turn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's so great. And then I was on your podcast. Yeah. So now we just need to get Michelle on your podcast. Yes, we and we'll have like a full circle, a full circle thing. Right. Amazing. How is your Sunday in Ontario going? It's going well. I'm actually um, at my cottage and my husband and his friend are outside building a bunkie, which will sleep for oh. more people. Like, is it just like a shed with beds? Basically, it's a very Ontario yeah. thing. So um, we can get away with if it's less than 100 square feet, you can build it without a permit. But it's like a so it's 10 by 10. So it's 100 square feet. And then it also has yeah. a loft, which doesn't count towards the square footage. Amazing. Um, yeah. So hopefully we're not going to hear any banging during this. But <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, that's and fine. Yeah, it's the weather's good and having a good day, loving life. Awesome. Well, I would love it if you just introduce yourself, tell us a bit about who you are and yeah. then we'll get into your story. Okay. So my name is Tisha. I live in Toronto, Ontario. I have two children um, who are now five, six and eight years old. I have a podcast that I co-host, which is called Now What?, and I'm also an elementary school teacher. Wow. What grade do you teach? Uh, five. Last year I did five, which was my first time. Next year I'll also be doing grade five. And prior to that, my entire career had been like in kindergarten to grade one and a little bit of spec ed. So wow. um, I kind of made that change and I liked it. So grade five for now. Because <laughs> grade five, what age is that? Like nine, ten? ten? Like, yeah. So just nine, like ten. pre-puberty. Yes. Yeah. That's they are pre for you. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a you lot. Know, that's like just a lot of hormones. Yeah. It's a, it's a good age because they're still kids. They're not quite teenagers yet. They're not quite hormonal. They don't think they're too cool for school yet. Yes. You know? Yeah. <laughs> but they have yeah. a lot of independent school skills. So I don't have to help them like do up their zipper and tie their shoes yes. and all of that stuff. So um, I'll tell you a little bit about my story. So growing up, um, I had a, what most would consider like a traumatic childhood. You know, things were pretty normal and stable, I would say, from like the ages of three till nine. And then after that, it was a show. 
So pardon oh. my language. I'm not supposed to swear. No, you're good. That, no, so, no, that's okay. I witnessed domestic violence. I'm a survivor. My sister and I are both survivors of sexual abuse. The police were regular frequenters at my home. I saw my stepfather arrested, incarcerated um, several times. Alcohol abuse, substance use, basically chaos. Mm-hmm. And I really had decided that that wasn't going to be me, that I was going to get myself out of this. Nobody was coming to save me. Nobody was going to come in, you know, pick up the pieces. No one was going to help me pay for my education, my wed, like none of that was happening for me. And I developed this sort of, you know, ability to compartmentalize and just went into survival mode. So I'm just going to study really hard. I'm going to work really hard. I'm going to get a good job. I'm going to meet a nice guy. I'm going to follow the heterosexual agenda, right? Yeah. (laughs) Get married, buy the house, have the kids. Like I, I did all of those things and really broke that cycle of, of trauma and abuse because, um, good for you. It really was generational. You know, here I am. I'm going to take you back to 2018. I'm married. I live in a nice little community, regular house. I own a house, um, which never, like my mother always rented. Sometimes we lived with other people. So like having a home of my own and not moving was a huge accomplishment. Um, By the time I was probably 18 or 19, I'd moved at least a dozen times. I can't even say for sure. Like my childhood was just so tumultuous. I'd finally gotten myself to like this life that I always dreamed of. I've got a full-time job as a teacher, which comes with like job stability and a pension and benefits. And like, I'm married to a nice man. I'm in a healthy, not abusive relationship. I have two wonderful kids. We had just bought a cottage. I'm like living the dream. Wow. I started, I mean, I say living the dream, but I was also sort of your regular overwhelmed mom, right? Yeah. Super busy, putting everyone else first. I'm really high achieving, which is just was a coping mechanism for me, right? I always had this sense that like I couldn't ever drop the ball because nobody was going to come and save me. So yeah, I was very independent. I pushed my feelings down a lot. And yeah, I was very sort of people pleasing. And all of this, I think, relates to just the, the trauma that I had experienced growing up. I developed a lot of coping mechanisms that really helped me up until that point. And then I'll get to what happened, but they stopped serving me. Okay? Yes. Those, those not yeah. talking about my feelings, putting the emotions aside, keeping up the facade, the go, 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 it, it stopped serving me. So what had happened was I actually remember I got a letter in the mail that um, told me I was due for my pap smear. And that was in like, I don't know, February, but like, that is not a priority. I'm a teacher. That's going to wait till the summer. That's right. I mean, you're a busy mom. We don't put ourselves first. And like, let's be honest, no one wants to like put pap smear at the top of their list. (laughs) So it doesn't even make my list. I'm always like, I'll think about it. Yeah, it doesn't. Um, And you know, I don't know if they do the same thing where you live, but on Ontario, they send you a letter when you're due for your pap smear. And really the reason they do that is because They send a letter here. So they keep track of when your last pap smear was. And then they send you a letter to your address and tell you that you're due because it's important and it saves lives. Yeah. So I 
I, I mean, I put it off, like I put off all self-care really. Mm-hmm. And then I started experiencing like spotting after intercourse, which didn't seem that weird. Like the first time it happened, there was like a little spot of blood and I was like, eh, okay. Yeah. I, I mean, I noticed it, but I made nothing of it. Yeah. Um, and then it happened again and then it happened again. And I was like, oh, this is weird. I've been kind of used to having a slew of unusual gynecological sort of symptoms because I have like stage four endometriosis. So in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, oh, maybe this is related to endometriosis. So I Google it, hmm. which they say never yeah. to do, but I Google it. That was it. like, that's your first problem. Yeah. And it's not a symptom of endometriosis. And everything that I was reading that it could possibly be kept coming back to cervical cancer. So I freaked out. Um, I made myself an appointment because I was like, oh my gosh, I was supposed to get a pap smear back in February. Now it's June. I don't know. It doesn't seem like that long, but you know, Yeah. I remember calling my husband crying on my way to the appointment. I said, I'm really scared. Like, I think I have cancer. And he's like, honey, like, you know, you shouldn't look on Google. It's just don't do it. Mm -hmm. So I go to the doctor. I have my pap smear. I describe the symptoms. He's like, your cervix looks fine. We'll send you for an ultrasound to see if, you know, there is anything going on. We'll do your pap smear since you're here. And off you go. So I let that go. And then the pap smear came back abnormal. It didn't come back saying I had cancer. It just came back saying there's some abnormal cells. We want you to investigate it further. And this had happened to so many of my friends um, and so yeah, many other women. I, too. Yeah. 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 And so you go to the gynecologist and they look. And so that's exactly what happened to me. I go to the gynecologist and she's like, okay, so this is what it means when you have an abnormal pap smear. And this is what we do. Now it's August, by the way. She says, I'm not booking, they call it colposcopy. That's like where they go and look. Oh yeah, I had to get a colposcopy and then a LEAP procedure. Yes. Okay. This is really common. I am not worried. And and so I go to the appointment and she's like, this is what we do. She explains like LEAP procedures, what the colposcopy is, all of that stuff. She says, we're booking into October for colposcopy. And is she worried at any point or is she like, not at all, like not at all. It's, this is like a really routine appointment. I attended by myself. I'd actually driven from my cottage to that appointment for like two hours. And she says, before you go, just, I'm just going to take a look. And all of a sudden the tone of that appointment flipped and she's like, there is something on your cervix. I don't know what it is, but we need to get you in immediately for a biopsy. She tells me at that point that she thinks it's one of two things and she's 50 50 and neither of them are good. Okay. So one is it's cervical cancer. The other is that it could be a really nasty case of genital genital warts. Oh God. I now have been with my husband for over 10 years. So if I have genital warts, my husband's having an affair. Yeah. So either way, my life is crumbling at this appointment. She couldn't really, she couldn't really say what it was, right? She's like, until we get the biopsy, I can't say anything. So 
I called my husband. I was freaking out. I had to then drive myself because now my fam, like my husband and my kids are two and a half hours away. So I draw, I don't even know how I made that drive back. I kind of started falling apart right away in a lot of ways. Like I started researching like the Google thing. (laughs) It was deep. Like I couldn't sleep. I was spending hours upon hours just researching and trying to find my way out of this, that maybe it could be something else. Maybe it's not cancer. Maybe my husband's not having an affair. Maybe it's neither of those things. (laughs) So my doctor, what what, what was your husband's husband's reaction to that kind of puzzle? Were you like, Hey hun, uh, (laughs) yeah, I mean, (laughs) he immediately was like, well, maybe like, is it possible to have genital herpes and not know, like, maybe you've had this, like, like maybe it's been a long time. I'm like, I was researching, like, can it lay dormant in your system? Like I was really trying to figure this out. And never in my life did I think I was going to be praying for genital warts. Like let's be real. (laughs) That's what I was hoping for because nobody wants to hear that they have cancer. So I'm like, yay, let's hope it's genital warts. And then we'll deal with that. So my gynecologist actually didn't make me wait until October. And she saw me uh, about a week and a half later on her lunch hour. She For the biopsy? Yeah. She did her the biopsy for me on her lunch hour because she was worried. Yeah. Um, and obviously, you know, you can't say I think it's cancer as a doctor unless you have the proof. But I think she sort of probably knew what she was looking at yeah and my husband came with me to that and it was terrifying I think I cried the entire time and then the results came back they called me into the office I went that day like the same day as the biopsy no sorry the biopsy took maybe it took a week or two and like it is so stressful the not knowing through this whole process was really hard because I'd also developed this like need for control because my childhood was so chaotic. I need to, I need to know what is going on. (laughs) That's like where I am in my life. Those blocks of time are, are big. It's not just a day or two. It's, it's a long time. Yeah. And everything throughout this process, like two weeks, it's going to be two weeks. It's going to be two weeks. So they call me, your results are in we, we can see you at the end of the day today. So I go in, I think my appointment was for three o'clock. My husband was with me. My kids were with my mother and his mother. Cause this is like a family crisis now, right? I've now yeah. had to tell my mom, they think I have cancer and my husband's family, they think I have cancer. Um, so they're at home with my kids. My husband's at the doctor's office with me. We waited in the office for two hours And you know what? Two hours doesn't seem like a long time, but when you're waiting to find out whether or not you have cancer, it is grueling. And every time she came out to see a patient, I'm trying to make eye contact with her, trying to like figure out what, what is happening? Do we? (laughs) Yeah. Still, you know, praying that it's genital warts, trying to manifest. I'm trying to manifest, envision, visualize a good outcome. It sounds awful, but I mean, if your two alternatives are genital warts or cancer, yes. you kind of want yes. the genital warts. 
100%. And, you know, there's like this, so I'm trying to like visualize her telling me that it's genital warts and trying to manifest this positive genital warts. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. And we finally get into the office and um, she sits me down and she says, so it looks like cancer. Those are the exact words that she said. Um, And I know that Mm -hmm. because I would replay this moment Mm -hmm. in my mind over and over and over again. Um, And it would later come back to me as flashbacks. That's like the moment I've never been more terrified in my life. Mm -hmm. She had no further answers for me you know, in terms of what the treatment would look like, what stage I was at, how bad it was. It was just like, it looks like cancer. I need to send you to an oncologist. Um, It was devastating. That moment, I can, like, there was like this sound in my, like, I could hear my heart in my ears, like this whooshing, whoosh, 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 whoosh. And like, I don't remember really anything she said beyond, so it looks like cancer. I just felt really weak. My husband and I drove home in silence. He was holding my hand, but we were silent. I mean, what do you say? And I get home and my mom is there and his mom is there and my kids are there and they don't really know what's going on. They're three and five. I remember looking at my mom and mouthing the words, it's cancer. Like I couldn't even say it. Yeah. Yeah. There's this whole sort of rhetoric around having cancer that you have to stay positive. That's how I felt. And I felt like I had to push my feelings aside and I just had to survive this just like Mm -hmm. I'd done my entire life. Right. I'm not going to, I'm not going to feel these things. I have mm-hmm. feelings, but I'm not going to acknowledge them. I'm not going to deal with them. I'm going to push those aside and I'm just going to keep going one step at a time mm-hmm. from one appointment to the next appointment. I really told very few people what was going on with me. So there would be people who saw me daily who had no idea that I'd been diagnosed with cancer. So that was um, August 21st is when I was diagnosed with cancer. So you were off for the summer, right, as a teacher? I was off for the summer. I did not return that school year. I, I went to my doctor and was like, I'm not sleeping. I'm not eating. I w- it was very upsetting news, okay? Yeah. And to yeah. not, and like the not knowing was so hard. So then I had to wait two weeks to see an oncologist who then I waited two weeks for a uh, which they call it an MRI. Mm-hmm. Then I wait two weeks for the MRI results. Then they're like, actually, we want to do this other procedure. So I wait two weeks for that procedure. And then I wait two <sighs> weeks for the results of that. And they still don't know exactly how they're going to treat this. So it becomes apparent at some point that I will need to have a full hysterectomy, which I'd had two kids. I'm thankful for them. I'm not sure that I'd really close the door fully on having more, but I didn't really have a choice, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And then they're going to have to do the hysterectomy. I'm going to have to wait for the results of that surgery. 
and they're going to test my lymph nodes. And I'm going to have to wait for that before I know whether or not I'm going to have to do chemo. Wow. So I go from okay. August till November, end of November, not knowing. And do you feel, what is that like? Cause to me, I feel like I would think I'm just like a ticking time bomb. Yeah. Like yeah. I could drop yeah. dead at any minute. Yes. And every day that goes by, I'm worrying, is it growing? Everything yeah. I eat, I'm wondering, is this making it worse? Yeah. I'm not sleeping properly because I'm so stressed and I'm so worried. Um, is that making it worse? I went to some really, really dark places in my mind because I'd been kind of programmed that, you know, a lot of like bad things happen. And there yeah. was like this nattering inside of me that was kind of like, you let your guard down. You finally felt oh, wow. safe. You never should have felt safe. How could yeah. you have thought that something bad wasn't about to happen? Like there was just mm -hmm. this kind of nattering. I would describe it inside of me. Yeah. Um, I was terrified, but I kept up the facade. I kept doing the things. I picked up the kids. I dropped them off. I took them to extracurriculars. I was off work. I took my kids to like a uh, mom and baby like meetups and yeah. just not telling people. I was volunteering at the school, trying to, on one hand, make the most of what little time I have left, trying to live life, life to the fullest, trying to soak in every moment I have with my kids because I don't know how many more I'm going to get. Oh, that gives me goosebumps. I like would watch my husband with the kids and watch him, you know, getting them their snacks or tuck them into bed, stuff like that. And pretend I wasn't there so that I could see maybe what life was going to be like for them if I was gone. Did you guys ever have conversations? Like, I guess, what's the dynamic between you and your husband during all this? He's terrified too. Yeah. Okay. Do you know it at the time? Yes. I know he's scared. But he's putting that aside to try to be kind of a rock for our family. He attended every appointment with me. He was with me every single step of the way. Very supportive, but very stoic, brave, trying to like, he was trying to be strong for me. I, he knew I was scared, but I never really talked about it because there's this whole idea with cancer that like, you can't let the fear get to you. If you're afraid, you're going to make it worse. You're going to have a worse outcome. You have to stay positive. You have to like never give up hope. And I really bought into that. And it's really like, it is toxic positivity. You know, yeah. Like, how stressful is that? I bought into that. Like I kind of felt like I had to go along with that. And then you get a lot of like, people saying things like that to you. So yeah. you disclose that you have cancer and they're like, everything's going to be fine. People get cancer all of the time. And it's really stifling. And it really made me feel even more like I couldn't tell people how I was really feeling on the inside. Mm -hmm. And it was very, it was very lonely. And I think because I had that experience with the few people I did tell is one of the reasons why I kind of decided not to tell people 
because I also ended up sometimes feeling like I had to reassure them because my news was so upsetting to them that now I'm in a place where I have to tell them, you know, it's going to be fine. Everything's going to be great. I'm staying really positive. Like I felt like I had to do those things. It was, it was awful. Did anybody ever hold space for you to think of the worst? No, I would say no. And you know, I've got my mother saying things like, have you tried praying? (laughs) And I had, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you're in that situation, like I'm, I am manifesting that I am praying. I am, I wanted the best at every appointment I went to the news got better. So it turned out that I had this really rare variant of cervical cancer that like less than 1% of all cervical cancers would be this type of cervical cancer. But what that meant was that it looked really nasty because it grew outwards, but it wasn't actually growing really deep into my cervix. So it was like this big, it was this mass on the outside, but it really hadn't grown deep into it, which is ultimately was really good news for me. Yeah. So when everything came out, there's all these factors that they kind of look at in terms of whether or not you're going to need chemo and radiation afterwards. And I missed that by one millimeter. Basically, my lymph nodes were clear. And so and that's what you're praying for, right? Is like, yeah, that's what I, that's what you're hoping for. Like, if it's not genital warts, you hope for this one right. variant. Or once it's of, cancer, yeah. I'm like, okay, well, I gotta stop praying for genital warts. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah. you know, now I'm dreaming of that day where they tell me I'm cancer free, mm-hmm. and it's gonna be this great elation, and I'm gonna be able to let go of all the stress, the anxiety, the fear that I'm holding on to and I'm carrying. I lost about 30 pounds during this time. So I also have everybody telling me, oh my God, you look so great. I'm like, because I'm sick, I can't eat, I can't sleep. Like I look great because I lost 30 pounds. Thanks guys. Yeah, Yeah. thanks so much. (laughs) But I don't feel great. Uh You know, I don't feel great. So I got that appointment. That moment came where I went with my husband and they said, there's no evidence of disease. You don't need any further treatment. We're going to follow you closely. You'll come back, I think, every three months initially. You're good to go. And I'm sitting in the office. It was not that moment I thought it was going to be. I was numb. I did not feel elated. I did not feel that fear released from me. I couldn't let it go. It was like I was holding on to it. All of that fear, all of that worry, even though the doctors are telling me you're fine now, I didn't feel fine. I became convinced, I guess, that maybe they missed something. Maybe it's going to come back. Like there's all this worrying, I think, that cancer patients do. And a lot of people think that once you're told you're cancer free, that it's like this amazing, like I thought it was going to be this amazing moment. And I'm going to like, just have this brand new life and this new outlook on life. It was nothing like what I expected. 
I really started falling apart actually after that. So for during that time, I'm just going from one appointment to the next. Try to keep positive. Try not to worry. Try not to let the fear get to you. Don't talk about it. Don't tell people, you know, what's going on. Keep doing all the things. Do the parent council and the school volunteering and like doing all the mom things. And then I get this moment and I'm like, what is going on? I was, I cried uncontrollably. Out of nowhere sometimes, I was irritable. I was having flashbacks. I was having nightmares. Is there any support offered to people who, is there any mental health support that's, that comes along no. with this journey or is that up to you to seek out? It's sort of up to you. So at the hospital that I went to, um, I saw a gynecological oncologist. Um, it's, I was at one of the best hospitals that you could be at um, because I happened to live in Toronto. So I was able to go to one of the big hospitals downtown. They do have on, I think they're called psychological oncologist or oncological psychologist. They do have basically psychologists there who specialize in helping um, patients with cancer. And I kept telling the doctor that I, I mean, I think it was probably really apparent that I was anxious, if I'm being honest with you. <laughs> but I did keep reporting that I was feeling anxious. I was reporting that I had lost my appetite. I was reporting that I wasn't sleeping well, but never did they say, maybe you should go see somebody. Yeah. Wow. Um, and even in the report, she wrote, you know, the letter about the time that she told me um, I was cancer free. And she wrote, you know, naturally the patient was elated. And I was like, is that how she Ooh. interpreted that moment? Because, yeah. and maybe outwardly, I can't tell you because I think I was a little bit trying to fake it, but yeah. inside I was numb. I really started this kind of downward spiral where all of those feelings that I'd been pushing aside were really kind of coming to the surface. And I went back to my family doctor who I had, you know, he'd, he was the one who gave me the note to stay off work. And I had talked to him before. He is the one who suggested that I see somebody. Um, and he said, I, I think you have PTSD. I can give you medication, but I really think that the best thing would be for you to talk to somebody. And I did because I really, I needed to get better. I could not continue functioning in the way that I was because I wasn't functioning. And then there's all this mom guilt that you have because I'm thinking like, what am I doing to my kids? What am I doing to my marriage? Because I'm snapping at him. I'm snapping yeah. at the kids. They never know when mommy might just be crying for seemingly no reason. But everyone else had moved on. It was like, Tisha's cancer-free. Nobody was checking in on me. Nobody yeah. was asking me how I was doing after the fact. And Because that, you were perfect because you don't have cancer. Because yeah. I don't have yeah. cancer. But yeah. my mental health was really, really in a bad place and I think that's something that nobody talks about because yeah I even think if I knew somebody that had cancer and then they're like I'm cancer free I would be like that's amazing best news ever I don't know that I would stop and think about how they're coping with that news right and, and everything or, that they had been through or like thinking that they're still scared 
Yeah. Like I went yeah. back to them and I was like, I think it, like I wouldn't stop calling. I went mm-hmm. back and like made them look at me again and like make sure mm-hmm. there's nothing there. I went to, um, I went back to my gynecologist several times. Like it was intense. I was so scared. I was just mm-hmm. so scared and I couldn't that fear. And like, that's the whole thing about PTSD is you're scared all the time. Right. I was yeah. scared yeah. all of the time. So yeah, I did start going to therapy. I did start and she held space for me mm-hmm. and really validated a lot of the feelings I had and made me feel normal. And really, I think helped me sort of build that confidence to be able to talk about it and to actually be able to open up and tell other people what that experience had been like for me. Because I had friends who were my friends all along and who felt like they were being supportive of me all along who had no idea what I really was going through. And that was hard too, to like then start telling them like, you know how I looked good? Like, and I, like, I looked like I was coping. I wasn't. And so that was 2018, 19, 20, 21. So I'm like three, oh, I'm two and a half years cancer free at this point. I have no signs of recurrence. I've been in therapy for two years. And I would say that for the most part, I feel like the PTSD has resolved itself. I'm, I still have anxiety, though I had anxiety before. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying, I'm actually trying to address that now, but that was sort of always there, I think. But it also has brought up a lot of like the trauma that I didn't deal with because I thought I was resilient before this. I yeah. thought like I have survived all this stuff. Nothing can take me down. I am so strong emotionally. I can get through anything, you know, like breakups. What's that? Like I've been yeah. through so much already that like I really had this kind of confidence in myself yeah. that like I can handle whatever life throws my way. And I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't handle this. And the reality is that, yes, I had gotten through a lot of things but I had never healed from them. I had never actually allowed myself to, to feel those things, to process them, you know, because there's the way you process things as they're happening to you as a child versus how you process them when you look back as an adult. Yeah. And I really hadn't done that. I'd just been in survival mode and just trying to like do all the things that you're supposed to do and like get myself to a place of safety and security. And then this just walloped me. I think so many people can relate to that feeling that it's like, if I just get to this next thing, if I just achieve this, if I just buy the house, get married, all of that stuff will be healed, right? And I know myself going through miscarriages and things like that. It's like, okay, well, if I just have another baby, that will heal it. It, it, It'll be fine. Or after losing my husband, like I need to get to this point and, and everything will be okay. And all you're doing is locking it up. And eventually it's going to open up and and it's going to clobber you. And you know, at some point, like now I'm at a point like, oh, well, I probably need to like actually deal with that stuff so that I'm not inadvertently passing it down to my children who, it's so important to me that I'm a good mom and that I provide them with a life that is different from the one that I had. And the, the whole, the cancer and the PTSD, like going to therapy and kind of dealing with that has sort of made me realize all of this other stuff. 
having had so many negative experiences is almost why I developed that PTSD and I developed that thinking that like a danger is lurking around the corner because yeah. I, I let my guard down and yeah. then something bad happened. And that was so just hard for me. So yeah, here I am. Are you giving yourself some grace to sort of like feel relief that you're almost three years cancer free? I worry about it less. Yeah. If I feel like, <laughs> like, you know what, like maybe I feel like a little gas bubble or something. I'm like, oh my God, what is that? Like there yeah. is still that little piece of me that can be fearful, but I think it's a much more normal response where it kind of just is a passing thought more yeah. than a thought that I get stuck on and spiral down with. I definitely, every time I have an appointment, I'm very scared. I don't really sleep before the appointment. I worry. I sometimes start like thinking that I'm feeling things that maybe I'm not feeling. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, and totally. that's also tricky because then I'm like, I can't even, I feel like I can't even trust my own body now. But again, it's, it's becoming easier. And I think there's always going to be that little bit of fear. I manage it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot easier to kind of be like, oh, I feel scared and then let it go. And that's the power of therapy. <laughs> that is the power of therapy. And, and, you know, they follow you for five years after. Yeah. I feel like that five years is maybe going to be a big one for me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know. In my mind, I kind of have that, like, after five years, I can stop worrying. And then, you yeah. know, I'm anxious. So maybe I'm just going to worry about something different in five years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that everyone our age that lived through, you know, the the 2000s and the 90s and everything, we're just all anxious about yeah. everything all the time. It's yeah. just like read into us. Like, yeah. Yeah. We're anxious are. beings. We're anxious <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh my God. Well, Tisha, I'm so thankful that you are comfortable sharing your story because I think the first thing everybody wants to know is like, what were your symptoms? Yeah. I mean, how many times do we have conversations with yeah. where you're like, well, it's probably cancer. <laughs> well, it's probably this. I found this. It's probably that, you know, yeah. you just. Everyone's like, don't doctor Google. And then, yeah. you know, in my case, it actually sent me to the doctor. Yeah. And, right. yeah. and if I had maybe not Googled it and ignored my symptoms further, yeah. I might not have had a positive outcome. I'm not saying be insane about it, but know your body. <laughs> if something seems like it's not right, yeah. you know, and we have to take care of ourselves. Like when I got that yeah. letter, I should have just gone for my pap smear. Why am I too busy as a mom yeah. Yeah. to put my health first? Yeah. yeah. Right. Go to the dentist appointment. Yeah. No, yeah. Like so the world true. needs you. And so in order yeah. to stick around longer, you got to do yeah. the things and take care of yourself. I mean, yeah. my husband used to say it all the time and it used to drive me crazy, but he'd say, put on your oxygen mask before you put on others. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. And sometimes it feels impossible to do that. You know, yeah. you, you can't do that. I have to remind myself that all the time, you know? Right. And sometimes it's just finding those those smaller, you know, minutes and, and learning sort of how to prioritize because I definitely never prioritized self-care. And there were all these things that I used to do before I became a parent that I just didn't do anymore. I'm still healing. And maybe I'm always going to yeah. be healing, but I'm definitely in a much better place than I was, you know, during the whole cancer thing. And even I'm in a better place than I was even before I was diagnosed with cancer because I'm doing yeah. the work that I need to do. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Well, thank you so much. Yes. Thanks I... for having me. Thanks for listening to my story. 
Yeah. And where can people find your podcast? Okay. So we are at now what underscore podcast. Yeah. So we'll tag you, we'll tag you a bunch on Instagram and we'll put it in the show notes. Um, Cause you yeah. guys, you're, well, I'm not going to say it. Why don't you say a little bit about like what your podcast is? Okay. So I think um, in a lot of ways, our podcasts have some similarities. Um, we are collecting, I guess, stories of people who have been through some type of hardship, who have had their lives flipped upside down for one reason or another. And we just really invite them to come on their show, our show and tell their story in the way that makes sense for them. We talk a lot about things that people have done to kind of help themselves through that. We occasionally have experts to come on and talk about things like resiliency. We're really just trying to normalize, bring awareness to mental health, normalize having uncomfortable conversations and talking about our actual feelings and admitting that sometimes terrible things happen in life. Mm -hmm. Just trying to kind of normalize that and help people know, like, how do you support someone who's going through these things? And that's us. Yeah, perfect. (laughs) I love it. Tisha, it was so great chatting with you. We will talk to you soon. And We just can't wait to do more collaboration with you. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I love talking with you guys today. All the best. Thank you. Have a good day. Bye. Bye. Hey, Michelle. Hello, darling. Holy smokes. Do Tisha and Jen ever have to be our new best friends? Why are there so many provinces between us? I know. It's not fair. If we could just rearrange Saskatchewan and Manitoba and slide on over Ontario... (laughs) And then we could just, like, commute and have, like, weekend visits. I know. We would have some, like, show up at Tisha's cottage when she's not expecting us. <laughs> With potato like, hey, salad and all your kids. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Uh, Tisha, thank you so much for being on this episode and being so candid about yes. your experience. I literally need to check into when the last time I had a pap test was. Oh, yeah. Actually, I was just at my doctor and she's like, uh, do we need to do a physical this year? And I'm like, uh, <laughs> probably. Oh, no. Yeah, it's it's, it's awful. It's, it's awful. important, but it's awful. It is. Why can't they make those those clampy things silicone? Yeah, true. Why, Why do, do they, they have, have to be, be metal and cold, cold and yeah. sharp? Yeah, I think by now we deserve better as humans with cervixes. I agree. So if somebody could Hashtag just get on the new, what are they called? Speculum? Speculum. Is that what it's called? I think so. Ugh. I just hate physicals all around. Oh, I do too. But you got to do them. Yeah. So if get yourself li- checked. Get yourself. Yeah. I mean, I had a few maybe... A year ago, I had a lump yeah. on my breast. I went and got it checked out. Everything's fine. Yeah. You know, you need Is to get... Is it the same lump that moved up to your neck? Maybe. Do you just have a floating <laughs> lump? And it's like, hey, Michelle, now, now I'm, over I'm here. on your shoulder. Where are you going to go next, little lump? <laughs> just have a traveling lump. It's fine. Can his Nothing name be to Trevor? Worry about. Sure. Trevor the traveling lump. <laughs> But yes, Sounds take good. care of yourself. Yes. Go to the doctor, stick with your appointments, because honestly, the world needs you. And stay tuned for our newest sticker, um, praying for genital warts. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty amazing. 
guys, if you we haven't talked about it in a while, but we have merch. We do. I just thought about it because um, our friend Jordan had posted a picture. And she was wearing the t-shirt. And, and you were wearing your um, beanie on your hike. Yeah. I was like, oh, I got to take a toque. Yeah. And so I took my, I did not sign up for this, little merch uh, push. Product placement. On the mountains. Yeah. Um, and somebody did comment. They were like, you didn't sign up for this hike? And I was like, not really. <laughs> I didn't really know what I was signing up for. Oh, that's I mean, really funny. I like signed up for it. Oh, I will say a funny story. Um, so one of our friends flew in and out. She mm-hmm. didn't hike in with us because she's got bad knees. Because she's smart. And, well, and because she's brilliant. <laughs> and she knew the lies everybody was feeding yeah. me. And so the people she flew in with, she was like, oh, I'm just meeting my group. They're hiking in today. Um, and so then I, we we all ran into them and they were like, oh, you found your group. And Trina was like, oh, this was like her first hike. And the family just stopped and looked at me and they're like, this was your first hike? <laughs> this is what and I was like, mm-hmm. yep, this is what I did. And also I've never backcountry camped. And I did that for the first time. Yeah. In the middle of this you're new gonna first You're going to do it. You're going to do it. And they were like, wow. So I felt really good about that. There you go. If a stranger thinks you're crazy for trying it and you did it. Yeah. I here's think the we thing all is thought you, you were crazy. Yeah. And here's the thing is like, there's no trying. Here's no. A, here's a new inspirational quote. There is no try. There no. is do or do not. Yeah. Or do or die. That is okay. what it is. You literally just quoted Yoda. <laughs> that Star Wars? Yes. Oh my he says, god. Do or do not. There is no try. Oh my god. <laughs> no, guys, you heard it here first. I said it. Because when you're 14 kilometers up a mountain and there's no cell service. And you're done and you decide, no, thanks. I changed my mind. You can't. No. Because you either have to hike back 14 kilometers. Yeah. Or you have to hike forward 14 kilometers yeah. where the helicopter is. Yeah. I'm going towards a helicopter. Yeah. Because it was a lot of downhill the first day, which meant if I had turned around to go back, it would have been all uphill. Oh, yeah. And I was like, no, thank you. No. That's weird. You had to go downhill to go uphill? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 it's weird because i was like oh we're climbing a mountain it's gonna be a lot of up and they were like no no it's mostly flat but there was a substantial amount of down a substantial amount of up and not very much flat that's very strange i was like i don't think you guys have ever walked on a flat surface before because i have not this is not this is not it yeah Anywho, that's hilarious. check out our merch. Stay tuned for our giveaway. We're going to post it on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, um, and sorry, Michelle was just accidentally launching a loud thing. And yeah, that's beautiful. She's showing me. Remember, Michelle, this is a audio oh, medium. Oh, not a visual Not medium. a visual medium. I she's, created a new notebook. Yeah, and, and I was she's just showing, showing me a her. picture. Um, so follow us on Instagram. I did not sign up for this dot podcast. Uh, check out Tisha and Jen's podcast. Now what pod? Yes. And, you know, overall, just have a good day. Yeah. I'm going to leave you with this quote. If you're scared, do it anyway. All right. All right. Unless it's illegal or putting your life in danger. Unless you really don't want to do it. Don't do it. But I think there's something to be said for doing. You're losing us. (laughs) (laughs) There's something to be said for doing the thing that scares you. Yeah. So just do it. There. That's my my (laughs) key. You're going to get us sued. <laughs> Just do it. <laughs> Says Yoda. Oh, my God. Okay, bye. Bye.